Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Edition with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some casting news to share about Days of Our Lives. John Paul Lavoisier, who played Philip Kyriakis from 2015 to 2016, and One Life to Live's Rex before that, is headed back to Salem next month. So I assume this will somehow be a part of, however, they're wrapping up Victor's story. Um, You know, as we know, Victor's portrayer, John Aniston, passed away in November of last year. And with the show taping more than six months ahead, the timing would play out correctly if that's what this story is. And I, for one, am absolutely looking forward to his return. I think John Paul is such a dynamic actor, and they really didn't take advantage of that during his first run. So we'll see what's going to happen here. Um, we are also going to welcome back Cassie DePaiva as Eve. Next week, Eve is going to cross paths with Harris, played by Steve Burton at Bayview Sanitarium. Now, what I love about this story is that Harris and Eve did have a past when Steve was first on the show in 1988, and that will be addressed in their scenes. Uh, so Cassie tells us she watched those scenes from the 80s to get a sense of their relationship. Charlotte Ross played the character then and tried to stay true to the history. But ultimately, Cassie loved coming back and said it was like a family reunion. We also have some sad real-life news to report. Nick Benedict, who played the iconic role of Phil Brent on All My Children in the 1970s, in addition to playing Michael Scott, the photographer who made the grave mistake of sleeping with Victor's wife, Julia, on YNR and wound up as Victor's hostage, as well as Curtis Reed, Kate's abusive ex-husband on Days, passed away this month at the age of 76. You know, those are like three characters who really made a lasting mark on all of their shows. And we certainly send our deepest condolences to his loved ones. Uh, Now, one of the storylines on Days that has most gotten fans talking concerns the pregnancies of Nicole and Sloan. And that saga takes a big turn this upcoming week. Uh, It does indeed. I mean, we will see Sloan steal a page from Sammy's playbook and alter the DNA results to make it appear that EJ is the father of Nicole's baby when it's really Eric. Um, So this is a huge story, which will obviously have many repercussions for months to come. And it just feels like a true old school days as well as soap opera story. You know, these are the kind of tales that work no matter when you tell them, in my opinion. And what makes this one more intriguing to me is that while Sammy was the paternity test switcher, Nicole has her own history of baby swapping, as we all remember. Um, So the 2008-2009 sidnapping story, as it was affectionately referred to on set, when 
when Nicole switched Sammy and EJ's baby Sydney for Chad and Mia's daughter Grace, who ultimately died. I mean, there was so much drama to be mined from that, and I'm hoping we see history repeat itself here. Yeah, I, I certainly don't mind a show borrowing from its own playbook when it has the potential to create so much drama, you know, so many ripples across the canvas. So someone uh, whose own checkered past may be coming back to haunt them on GH is the beloved character of Anna, who this coming week is forced to wrestle with the possibility that the recent shooting at the Metro Court may have been evidence that someone from the WSB is trying to rub her out. So <laughs> this is just the beginning of a brewing mystery for the character. And I have to say thus far, I am absolutely loving the scenes between Anna and Sonny and Dante. There's um, you know, certainly more to come on that front, but I think it's really smart of the show to play those three together. I've talked to both Vanilla Hughes, Anna, and Maurice Bernard, Sonny, very recently, and they are both extremely jazzed about it as well. So that's a story I'm definitely keeping my eye on as one to watch. Oh, me too. Um, now, our guest today is knee-deep in the drama in Genoa City. It's Vale Bloom, who is back as Heather. So let's check in with her and see how it's all going. Hi, Vale. Hi. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty well today. I'm very happy to be chatting with you too. Well, we are thrilled to be chatting with you. Um, we have been trying to make this happen, so we are very excited that it finally is. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to go back to where you were born, which is Boston, but you grew up in Connecticut and Florida. So well, when you think you of so going, <laughs> when you think of going back home, does one of those locations resonate with you over the others? Uh, probably Connecticut, actually. There's something about, you know, fields and trees and the smell of the grass. Uh, yeah, rural, rural living. Yeah. Um, well, tell us about your family, the, the family you grew up in. Hmm, okay, so I had a pretty unconventional but wonderful family life and upbringing. So I was born in Boston. Everyone seems to be from Boston, but a lot of us ended up in Connecticut. So all Massachusetts, if it's not Boston, it's like Saugus or Worcester or you know what I mean like some somewhere nearby or Newton but um we all ended up in Connecticut and my mom and my dad got divorced when I was about two and so I moved to Connecticut with my grandparents and my mom loved it best thing ever um so special to my heart my grandparents were super 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 involved in my upbringing and I actually um named my daughter after my grandpa so my Aww. grandpa's name was Charlie and my daughter's name is Charlie. Love so, that. yeah. So Barbara and Charlie and my mom and I, we all lived together. And, um, and then my mom remarried when I was about 10 to, uh, an amazing man who's, who's my dad and, you know, I've had two dads and my, uh, stepdad actually adopted me. So it's really interesting to, play certain roles, um, specifically Heather, <laughs> that, that, that really explores, you know, non, you know, non, non-blood related family. And it really taking on that role just as the same as you would with biological family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, what were you like growing up in terms of your personality and your interests? Quiet. Guys, I was so shy. It's the biggest irony that I ended mm -hmm. up in front of the camera or acting. I was terrified. I was I was so paranoid about ever being famous. I never used to even write my name on my return address because you know back in the day we used to mail, you know, letters. Uh -huh. <laughs> I would never put my name. I never wanted anyone to know anything about me, where I was, where I lived, 
I liked to, I, I was not the class clown. I was so, I, I, I went to middle school with people that didn't realize I was in their class until eighth, eighth grade as we were graduating. <laughs> like, no, I, I didn't transfer in this year. <laughs> That is so hilarious. Well, uh, after high school, you I mean clearly you, you did well because you went to Princeton University where you majored in architecture. So that's such an interesting major to me. Uh, did your interest in architecture sprout there or did you go to Princeton intending to study it? I went to Princeton intending to study it. I look back at my notebooks when I was a kid as early as like six years old. And it's not pictures of flowers and people and faces and animals. It's literally elevations of houses. It's just the the outside of houses, beautiful homes, my dream home, just pages and pages and books and books of this. And then when I got into middle school, I was always drawing things to scale and doing floor plans. Um, so I I always I always wanted to do architecture, and then clearly I I threw it all the way and 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 began acting. But you know. <laughs> Well, I, there was a pivot. <laughs> My parents were thrilled about that after paying for architecture school at Princeton. <laughs> well, you were involved in dance at Princeton, but had you done any acting? Um, okay, funnily enough, I was very involved in dance and it was a very avant-garde uh, company that told a lot of social narrative, anything socially relevant, whether that's something medical or political, we would tell it through dance. Um, I got my first acting experience because of architecture. So my roommate, um, she was some intense physics major and she shifted gears and switched to visual arts with a focus on film. And she needed to make a silent film about an architect. So she begged me to just, you know, let her come in, watch me film me do my drafting board and then just think and act and feel like an architect but there'd be a camera on me so that was my first acting experience because it seemed like an easy leap not really one at all you know and uh in the student film community that went over very well and then I started doing a bunch of student films okay so I'm trying to square away what we've learned about you thus far studious a little shy a little um anti the spotlight with the fact that while you were in school, you landed on the pages of Maxim in oh, yeah. uh, a contest oh, yeah, that you placed third in the hometown hotties contest. So how did that come about? Uh, friends in architecture, they thought it would be hilarious and got a kick out of it. And my friend Giselle, um, who is, you know, probably my closest friend in the department and at school, she was always my biggest fan and thought I was, I don't know, um, super, super cute and hot. And she took photos of when I was doing commercial modeling just to make money. Uh, and she submitted them to Maxim without telling me. And then I actually got called and like it went further. And then I was faced with, do I do it or not do it? And so I did it. <laughs> well, what, what was that call like to get? Were you like, who? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I remember being slightly angry, slightly thankful, <laughs> mostly just surreal and like, what the heck? This is like, it's it's already emotion. And then everyone around me at Princeton wanted me to do it. So they were all super supportive. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, wow. they're like, give us some street cred. We got some pretty people here. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, did your experience on campus change after the magazine came out? 
I think it was my senior year, maybe when it came out. Um, my experience didn't change because I think, I think, uh, like locally or you know, in our little community, there was already a band that had written about me and wrote the Veil Bloom song. Um, and like, I, you know, <laughs> what? I don't what's, know. Something. What's the Veil Bloom song? <laughs> uh, punk band. Uh, it was just a student band. So I think, I mean, it was a really tight-knit, close, small community at Princeton. So we all knew each other anyway. And, you know, the good thing at Princeton is everyone is very supportive of each other. So so they just celebrated the whole, they they uh, they were entertained by the whole thing and thought it was, thought it was great. So was there like a, a moment for you where you were graduating, where it's like you could either go further along in architecture or you could try acting? Or did you know, when I get that diploma, I'm I'm off to L.A.? No, I didn't know actually. And I think just to sound really out there, I have so much Libra in my chart. I really wanted to try both and see how long I could entertain both options, probably somewhat unrealistically. But I I actually got a part-time job at an architecture firm called Gensler. And that part-time job was like 45 hours a week because in architecture, <laughs> it's like 80 hour weeks and that's normal for not a lot of money. Um, but, uh, I very naively thought to myself, okay, would I rather do 80 hour weeks in architecture or 80 hour weeks on set? And I thought, well, it's really, really tough, but I think I would pick being on set. And then I realized no one in this business works every week of the year, except when you're on a soap opera, (laughs) literally it's the only job that you can work every week of the year. Um, so that's cool actually, but you know. I think when I wasn't on the show, I was like, oh, you work like six weeks a year. You know what I mean? Right, and then the right. rest of it, you're, you're like, what do I do with my life? Um, <laughs> so it's not, it wasn't really comparable. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't really need to compare it so literally. Um, I worked also at a production company when I first moved out uh, to California and I was very part-time there. And then when I decided I didn't have freedom to audition at the architecture firm. I stopped the architecture and just focused on auditions and the production company. Mm-hmm. So then tell us, how did your parents react? Like, so now you're not even doing any architecture. <laughs> um, I think that they, they stepped to pretty like heroically and the way you would hope parents to. I mean, they, they became very, very supportive to the point where I was like I want to move home and they're like no you can't do that because your dreams are to be on tv and film you can't you can't do that in Florida they were in Florida at the point and uh so they I'm I'm making a joke but they were really supportive and they didn't make me feel guilty they sort of wouldn't let me come home at moments when I wanted to because it's tough <laughs> up here but you know they were good parents about it no guilt trips very nice well what was you know your method of finding a foothold in the industry. Like it's one thing to move to LA to try acting, but the nuts and bolts of it, I think are mysterious. What was that last word you said? Mysterious? The nuts and bolts of it are kind of mysterious. They are mysterious. You're really right. And to be honest, I think I like only truly appreciated it looking um, backwards and reflecting on it. Cause when you're in it, like I feel very, 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 very lucky. Um, I'm sure there's some, you know, testament to, to, to me as well, but truly I feel like extremely lucky and I didn't even know it at the time because it could go a lot differently. People can't even get agents very easily out here. So luckily I was in an acting class. I did sign up and, and study cause I'm studious at pretty much every acting school that I thought was 
um, noteworthy and interesting. And I just attacked it that way. And so one of my, actually my um, comedic coach, she said, I got to find you a manager. I got to find you a manager. I'm going to make it my personal job to find you a manager. So she submitted um, me to her close personal friends and one instantly took me on. And then I don't know, I just, I lucked out like big time, you know, didn't realize it until after the fact, because mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what it would have been like to be out here three years and have not booked anything or, you know, been able to um, actually do what you're trying to do that. That's, that's very disheartening. And I give people that do that a lot of, a lot of credit, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, well, did you have any day jobs at that time when you were trying to, you know, break into the business? I mean, I did the, yeah, probably I probably had so many. Oh yeah. I, um, so I tutored SAT math. I tutored, uh, algebra, geometry, pre-calculus. Uh, I think I did calculus and I was like, mm, I don't know if I should be doing this. <laughs> And, um, oh, I tutored a lot of Spanish. Um, so I taught kids Spanish. That was kind of my, my day job to make some extra money. Um, did the production company for a little bit. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I was a host. I really was just a host at a restaurant, not Vanderpump Rules, not Sir. I'm talking like Little Doms or Dominic's back in the day. I don't know if you remember that restaurant. But I think I was a host more to meet people and make friends because the simple exchange of greeting people as they come into the restaurant. I mean, I understand it's, you don't, you don't, you know, it's not the most, you don't need, you know, a supercharged IQ to do it, but it's truly so satisfying and, you know, nice and social. So I, I was a host for a little bit as well, which brought in some money. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I have this correct, your earliest TV credit is an episode of Las Vegas, which starred daytime alums, Josh Duhamel and Vanessa Marcel. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So what do you remember about being on that set and just getting that first job? Nothing. <laughs> Literally, I don't even remember my character. Oh, I guess it was probably a co-star. It was a very small role, right? Yes. Um, I don't remember that one so much probably because I was so maybe nervous and it was like just a big rush and you're like what the heck is this and it's a tv show um I think I just had a couple lines if you want I don't know I remember being happy about it but I don't remember much about that one I remember Entourage I remember um well what do you remember about Entourage that was like a huge show to be on Kevin Connolly I remember Kevin Connolly he was a little uh so it was, it was almost like a hazing process he was a little He's, I, he must be from Boston. Is he from Boston? I think he's, I don't know. <laughs> he like he's from Boston. Um, so he, he like wanted to switch the schedule around and then that was cool. And then Doug, do you remember Doug Ellen? He was one of the either writers or creators. Mm -hmm. He wanted our characters to be love interests. And then I think Kevin thought, I don't know what he thought. He gave me a really hard time. He, uh, we bumped into each other a lot socially later and we became friends. But um, I think he, I don't know what, you know, actors have egos. That's all I'll say. <laughs> you heard it here first. Breaking news. <laughs> actors have egos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember that being a really cool set uh, to work on. And the writing was cool. And the whole crew and everyone was really amazing. And that was a fun experience, but that was like, a, that was more lines. That was a little juicier. And we were talking about a recurring and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You made your daytime debut, not terribly long after uh, this 
quick gig on Las Vegas in yeah. 2007 when you were first hired to play Heather. So tell yeah. us how the YNR gig came about. That felt like a really good blessing too. Like I, when I look back, so I, I was engaged. Okay. I was engaged very young and I was very, very innocent and it ended, it needed to end and it ended. And the next week, and I, you know, he are, was, you know, I didn't know a lot of people in LA. He was kind of my life, you know? Um, and then the next week I got offered this role and I was like, this is fantastic. I'm just going to dive into this. This is wonderful to, um, spend my time and shift. And I think it, I think it was so incredibly lucky and healthy and wonderful. And at that time, I don't think everything was on YouTube, was it? <laughs> Correct. Uh, so there was like a lot, there was like a really safe space to, to learn and, and, and get your feet wet and, and, you know, really learn about yourself as a, as an actor and as a person and your your work process. And that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what are your standout memories of just being a newcomer on the YNR set? Um, honestly, I remember Graz the most. And I look back and I'm not sure how many scenes we had together, but we just had so much fun and like a, a really good connection as friends. Um, so I think I just remember how comfortable when, when I was a newcomer, how comfortable everyone was because they had been there so long um, and confident and playful people were, you know? Um, and I do remember it was really lovely. I got in a car accident actually on my way home from set. And I was so, um, it was so heartwarming. The next day there was this really, really like lovely, beautiful, huge bouquet to make, to make me feel better um, from CBS and the Young and the Restless and Sony. So that was lovely. Um, it was, I kind of remember being like, what? Like, I didn't expect that. Like, I thought I would be fired and replaced the next day because I smashed my face, you know? And, and they, they kind of waited for my, my face to heal and, um, were really patient and loyal and lovely. And I remember that surprising me. Like it felt personal and and that was lovely. Yeah. But uh, as far as set goes, it's intimidating when you're walking in with these people who've been on there for like 10, 15 years. I do remember Crystal was pretty cool because she'd done it since she was like a kid. And I just admired her so much for being so responsible and taking charge of her life and such a professional at such a young age. That was really different to see from from my walk of life, which is like high school, college, this, you know, was that was I admired that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, Heather, uh, of course, was a legacy character because her father on the show, uh, the character of yeah. Paul, played by Doug Davidson. Doug, so is, Doug is amazing. Doug was like a second. He like took the fatherly role in real life too. He was such such a warm, protective loving energy on set reassuring I hope he comes back so do we yeah um now did you ever struggle with any of the legal jargon that came along with playing an attorney um at that time no um I think you know you're young you're sharp your brain Princeton <laughs> used to all this technical stuff that was fun that was that was kind of like that was that was easier than I expected uh for me um I mean, it's a mouthful sometimes, but, but that part, that part, I, I, I feel is well suited um, to me, luckily. Yeah. Not everyone who comes into daytime television playing a lawyer uh, had just been tutoring the SATs, you know, months earlier. Right. Yeah. Like um, it's a muscle. So it was, yeah. it was within shape. You know? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of someone who's relaxed on set and probably someone who's joking on set, uh, in the courtroom, you often intersected with the character of Michael Baldwin, played by Christian J. LeBlanc. Yeah. Uh, what are your memories of working opposite him? He is a sweetheart as well. I mean, he was probably still is him and him and Greg actually are two of my favorite people I, I worked with. And it's um, I mean, he's just he's at all. I don't know. He's extremely helpful. He makes you feel safe, not zero judgment, just really about getting the best work. And he's so humble and he's very, very talented at how quickly he can rattle up everything and have, you know, pizzazz and humor and sharpness. And yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. He's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of Heather's love life, we saw her involved with Kane, uh, played by Daniel Goddard. What do you remember about working with him? Um... I, let me think. Yeah, he, I remember he had an accent. So I always had to try and break down the accent and try and understand specifically what he was saying. So I had like that filter on it, you know? Um, he was a very hard worker. I always respected that about him. Um, him and Heather, I cannot, they didn't quite get along so perfectly. I think, uh-huh. I, I think, uh, I think I really remember how hard of a worker he was. Yeah. And how seriously he took his job, yeah. which is an admirable quality. Yeah. So I think, um, for the majority of the time that you were in the role, Heather was, um, romantically linked to Adam. And there were two yeah. Adams that you worked opposite. The first was Chris Engen and the second was Michael Muni. So yeah. what stands out to you about working with them and, and, uh, you know, dealing with a recast and also just building the Heather Adam relationship in general, which I feel like really popped at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, and then, so Michael ended up turning blind, right? Okay. Like when he was, when he was playing. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, Chris was amazing. I'll start first chronologically, right. Cause he had the role first. Um, one of those really out there artists and people that beats to his own drum. Very, very high ethical, moral high ground. Couldn't give a, you know, whatever. I don't know if we're allowed to curse on this thing. You know, what anybody else thinks whatsoever, but is just such a truly solid, good person. That being said, I think that's why he was like, and, you know, don't need to be in daytime because I'm going to go probably build a spaceship in the desert, who knows, and, you know, (laughs) start the coolest cult you've ever heard of. Um, but like, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty cool person. He's just like, he's a little irreverent in a way that was really interesting, but he is very accessible as an actor, very compassionate. Um, it's very easy to work with him. If he wants to work, he, he would, he, he could work. He's so great to work with. He's very, it's like you mainline the connection with him, uh, you know, professionally, like he's so available. Um, so that's great. It was really great to work with him. And, and then, and then Michael was amazing. It was definitely, they look very different, right? So, you know, you have to sort of weld it, that it's the same character. And obviously there's different work chemistry with one person than another person. Um, and, uh, they look completely different. So it feels like two different things. And it's really just your choices that you craft beforehand that will kind of weave it together. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's great is with different people, different stuff sp- like spontaneously comes up and that's kind of those gems and acting that you live for. And I'm sure what the audience lives for, because you can see it when it fires completely spontaneously 
throughout the scene and it it like becomes alive and is born through the scene hopefully on take one you know mm-hmm. yeah. um now you mentioned Graz who is of course Michael Grazia Day uh who plays Daniel someone that you also worked with back in the day probably less so than you do now in a way but what do you remember about him from besides being wonderful when you first started I mean, he's, he's, a he's, pr- everyone's talented, but he truly is probably the, the most talented of anyone I've worked with. I, I think um, he's, I mean, I love how he works because he really runs lines. He will rehearse and rehearse. He's similar to me in that, you know, you can read something, but until it's out your mouth and you're working it out and you're playing off of someone, it doesn't really kind of set in like there's only so much work you can do until you start running the lines with someone some actors can just read it and then that's all they need um but he's similar to me in that like we both like to run lines a lot and we're we're very um helpful to each other what I remember about him back in the day is just very very playful and can make anyone laugh and he's clever and he's witty so he's just a fun time on set you know um and then he's still the same now but like we both have babies and we both talk about kids so there's a lot more to relate to but um like I'll run his lines if, even if he has a scene you know with a different actor that I'm not in and he'll do the same for me it's kind of great it's a good it's a good work relationship um yeah he's just so I don't know he's just he's so down to earth and cool and fun he was fun and, when we had him as a guest on the podcast yeah we I loved mean him. like yeah. he's gonna shock you and he's comfortable in his own skin and he's got his own thing going on and he's witty um but he I mean I can see him in any forum I think that's why he's he's had a lot of success and he's done a lot of different things I think he really appreciates uh YNR and I I I he could, he could, and he does do a lot, but I think he really loves YNR. Um, but he can really cross into different genres mm-hmm. and he brings so much personality and like natural, um, like a natural texture to literally everything he says on, on camera, which is makes the other person's job easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I remember it being like a big shock, uh, for a lot of reasons, you know, in, in our industry, when the show decided to recast Heather in 2010 with Eden Regal, but how did, how did you feel about that and about leaving the show? Well, I remember, well, I was kind of friendly with Eden. So I was a bit surprised. Like we had just for, she went to Harvard, right? I went, I went, or was it Yale? No, I think she went to Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. So, um, I mean, aside from the fact that I was blonde and petite and she's like jet black hair and like, you know, well endowed, it's just, it was physically like the exact polar opposite, but I was surprised because we were trying to find a job for her to come over me and Lizzie Hendrickson because of our social circle, we were becoming closer friends. So I was shocked when she took my role, you know? Um, but I, I was happy for her, um, you know, I tend not to be jealous. I don't, I don't really think that serves anything and everyone has their own journey and path in life. And truly like, I, I'm not burdened with a lot of any jealousy. So I was happy for her because I knew she wanted it just was surprised. It was for Heather. And it was a big jump from, from like my version of Heather, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doesn't look anything like Doug either, but you know, right. right. <laughs> oh, well, well, yeah. 
we can we can at least say it wasn't one of the more successful recasts in daytime history. Um, Correct. Right. For sure. After YNR, you did episodic on primetime shows like Castle, for instance, and then you popped up in the third season of the Bravo reality series, Vanderpump Rules, which of course has come roaring back into the zeitgeist this past year, including re-airing your season, um, you know, recently. Oh. Um, but oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Ever since Scandal broke, they have started re-airing all the seasons. Um, okay. So first of all, how did you wind up on the show? So I actually hung out at Sir quite a bit. Like two of my closest friends are were at the time uh, servers there. They weren't in the in the forefront of the show. They might sometimes be in the background. Um, so it's always hanging out there. Um, Danielle, Madison, those are they're like sisters to me. They're working. Tiffany was another friend. She's best friends with uh, Lisa Vanderpump's daughter. She was working there. Christina Kelly is their best friend. So, you know, we were we were all there. I was really just eating and hanging out. But um, one of the EPs actually went to Princeton. So he was like, why don't you just you're here all the time? We really do need someone who could hope I don't get sued, um, who could very convincingly, naturally, seamlessly kind of catch the new viewers up to speed on the history without it looking expositional, you know, Um, because there's people that are jumping into the show and they don't know the backstory. And a lot of the, the, the actors on the show, a lot of the stars of the show don't necessarily know pacing or how to catalyze a scene or an an arc of how to wrap it up you know and then they were getting these scenes that were like rolling on for like 12 14 minutes and like how do you cut that together so he asked if I wanted to just come you know hang out with my friends but just kind of do stuff to help from a more traditional theatrical point of view like move the scene along give it an arc catalyze so there can be a start finish and an end um yeah. And then also if things come up to 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 feign innocence and genuinely ask questions, because I didn't know a lot of the drama. I had never seen an episode of it. I would steer clear of a lot of the drama that I would see erupting in the rest in the restaurant. <laughs> you know, go in my corner and meditate or something. <laughs> right. Well, you know, did literally. you do you recall whether you had like reservations about this notion of like playing yourself on TV, if you will? You know, what's really great is you have no reservations when you have no freaking clue what you're walking into. (laughs) I'm writing anyway. I, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be acting anymore. I really like writing. And if it, if it comes back to bite me in the ass, I'll use a pen name. It's all good. Vail Bloom is done with her acting career. What's the big deal? Who cares? Um, and then I think while I was airing on, uh, Bravo, I think like a film on 35 millimeter with John Hawks and Robert Forster came out that I never thought would see the light of day. And then suddenly acting started coming back and I was like, Ooh, I did not plan for this. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I like to, I kind of like to be irreverent towards glass ceilings and, I don't, I think it's really great where we're at now in the industry is nobody is in a box anymore. And there used to be boxes for sure around what you could do and what you could transition from. So I think I did it a little sooner than was comfortable. I got a lot of uh, slack for doing that from agents, managers, other people. But now I think it would be no big deal. You know, we're in a different spot today than we were then. So, you know, all good. Mm-hmm. All good. Uh, looking back now, what would you say were the highs and lows of that experience? Uh, um, 
the high was, I think that they portrayed me pretty well. The low was realizing how many freaking people watch this show. Like I, I had no idea how many people watch this show. And I don't know if I would have done it if I realized that, but I sort of put blinders on sometimes because like, I don't even want to know because I don't want it to change whatever my choice is. And that was, that was, that was a little bit of shock. Um, but it, it has become a whole machine. I mean, Lala has built a beautiful business and, you know, I think you can really use it to launch yourself. And I, I think it's great. Lala did not want to do it. She replaced me and, um, she's really nervous about it. And, you know, uh, and now then she, she really, she made the most of the role in her life and launched, I mean, she's a whole, she's a personality and she's a businesswoman now, which is great. Yeah. I like that element of it. That everyone's launching their own businesses. I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They offered me a, my own reality show at Bravo. Um, but I said, I said, no. About uh, you? Like about yeah, your life? I don't want to, wow. I don't want to, I don't want to be Veil Bloom. I need a script. It's mm -hmm. much more comfortable playing someone else than playing yourself on television. And that didn't even feel like playing myself because like I knew what I had to do. I had a function. I had a job. I, you know, I wasn't actually a host. I didn't get a paycheck from uh, Sir. I got a paycheck from the production company. But um, everyone else genuinely got themselves into that much trouble. That was that was authentic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. Like I feel like no one, you know, with a I don't know a smartphone and a television or a computer, could have gone through 2023 without seeing the explosion of the show. Yeah. So was that a strange thing for you when all of a sudden that was it was on the tip of everyone's tongues again? When it re-upped. I think it's a funny thing. There's people that so I was just at a fifth birthday with my daughter and maybe like two and a half hours into hanging out with the moms drinking rose in the kitchen while like, you know, there's like kids outside, safe, you know, activities, etc. Um, she was like, and I just have to ask you like huge Vanderpump fan. I was like, well, how did she's like, I've been trying not to, I was like, is this what people do? Like, I think there's only a certain personality type that just goes for it and says it. So my, what my experience is, right. My sample size is not that many people talk to me about it, but then I realize when they do talk to me about it, they've been thinking about it the whole time. So I guess, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, it definitely had some sort of Re and it's kind of epic. It's what, 10th season now? Like, what is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a good run. Like, I got to respect that for anything. I think the vibration on the show was like a different vibration, a little lower frequency. But like, then you're like, oh, it's become this whole thing. It's 10 seasons. That's a thing. That's a, not quite the institution that it's like a 50 year anniversary. But right. <laughs> of anything is cool on television. It is. And, and they not, got, you know, the scandal definitely was a boost because it became something, a show for people who didn't even really know about it. Those people who you wanted to be there, the ones who didn't watch it, yeah, um, yeah. they suddenly now knew about it too. Super. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Perfect. So yeah, just so you know, Val, you could turn Bravo on on like a random Tuesday afternoon and you might find season three of Vanderpump Rules. Oh, great. Thank you for the heads up. I did think it was weird that my cousin, who's now like in medical school, was like, hi, how are you? Miss you. You, you, my, all my friends at school are starstruck. They're fans of Vanderpump. I was like, that's weird. Uh, you're, you're helping explain that one for me. <laughs> um, well, in recent years, you've worked behind the camera as well as a producer. So tell us about that. Uh, I love producing. I really like doing ground up and like developing something. I think that is more gratifying um before I even did those credits as a producer I was 
doing other projects where I was getting it like, you know, with a lot of red tape, already cast up, director, lost that director, need another director, seven producers attached. You know, it's a lot about uh that's that's fine. I'm 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 good at that, but it's not necessarily my favorite. I don't enjoy that type of producing as much. Um it's a lot of putting out fires. It's kind of counterintuitive if you're in that space to art and creating. So I have had to experience being a producer and then also playing a role. So like managing a set and then also having to switch off and, um, you know, be in the film. And those are two completely different headspaces because one's like really good at handling one's feeling and freedom, you know, um, but I like it. I think, I think ideally it's, it's my, I think I would like to, if I'm producing like a, like a smaller supporting rather than a lead role, because if I'm really going to actively produce on set while we're in production, I'd rather not be on set every day having to, um, you know, worry about my performance because there is a lot of like ushering in chemically, energetically, how you prepare to be in that completely fluid space to act. Um, you know, um, if I was producing something from ground up, which I do have a couple of things I'm still producing, we'll see if they ever see the light of day, you know, COVID and then now strike, who knows, but um, I'm sure they will at some point. I just would have to have everything handled before I act in it, you know? And I really do believe like, I, I want what serves the story most rather than a vehicle for myself because I like stories. So if it works that I'm a lead in it, I'm sure there will be something like that at some point. I think I'm just going to have to hand off the active, you know, onset producing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you've also been very busy, I have to imagine, with your family in recent years. As you mentioned, you're a mom now. You have a beautiful son and daughter. So I'm curious, your youngest was born early in 2020. And how did you navigate having a newborn a, a, an older child you were helping navigate adjusting to having a sibling and yeah. then hey global pandemic on top of it yeah. I mean that's, that's it's hard to put myself in your shoes yeah I think I you know pathologically always look for the silver lining which can you know be a positive and also probably like annoy some people but um <laughs> It was a t like when you first have a baby, you want to be, you should, dare I use that word, should um, be home as much as possible to be with your, your, your newborn. So I think in that way, it really carved out and held space just, you know, because of the conditions for, for my son and I to spend a ton of time at home together, bonding and really, really anchor that, um, in all of those ways that's important, you know, developmentally for a child. I can tell you every kid's different, right? Like even if I did the exact same thing with one child as I did with the other, every child has their own unique disposition. But my daughter is like beyond social, says hi to everyone, says like two and a half years old, she's like, hi, sweetie, to the doggy. You know, she's, we used to stroll up and down Abbot Kinney multiple times a day and she was so used to foot traffic and meeting everyone whereas my son I mean I think I was like masking to walk out the door and avoiding talking to anyone so he was a lot more timid so I think that really showed up later but you know now has sort of evened out right like a COVID baby is a lot more shy like I remember the first like the first time my friend sang happy birthday for me at my friend Bella's house and my my kids were over there and it was maybe like eight or nine of my girlfriends 
And at that point, I realized it was November. I think, you know, he was born in, in January. It, the the sound of multiple people singing together scared the hell out of him. And he just started crying. And I was like, oh, this is a product of not being socialized. So there's there's a beautiful mother-child um, bond. And then the socialization had to happen later. And it's all working out. But I'm a germaphobe, like, like truth be told. So like, yeah, I'm super OCD and germaphobe. So uh, I think when you have a baby, you're even more that way, right? So I just had an excuse to be that way. <laughs> so there was that, you know. Um, obviously, it's hard you're to ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah. So it, it all worked. There was it was a lot to process just emotionally, but you know, you you know, and and like socially, what's going on, and everyone had a lot of there was a lot of pain and a lot of loss, right? But um, as far as just managing. The, the babies that part wasn't so that part wasn't actually so bad my daughter was 18 months when when he was born so um I cannot believe how close they are in age that's that was, yeah that's that close we're just like managing the normal things like one's not walking one's getting out of diapers one you know there's a lot of stairs in my house you know just like the normal stuff mm-hmm. well let's dig into your YNR return so how did you find out that they wanted to bring Heather back and were you surprised I was surprised, so pleasantly surprised. Like, well, how do you, uh, yeah, how do you, how do you feel about like, how do you feel about that? And I was like, I feel good, I feel really good. So when are we gonna, are we gonna wrap this? Are, are we gonna formalize this? Like, that sounds great. <laughs> um, he was just really relaxed about it, and um, and it was just a really positive, like, organic, natural. Uh, it was, it was so nice. It was so nice to get the call. Definitely didn't expect it just because it had been so long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get the the vibe from you that you're particularly prone to nerves, but were you nervous like the night before the first day back? Hmm. Was I nervous? I mean, I couldn't find my way around the stages, you guys. I was like, <laughs> oh, like it hasn't been that long. I should know what stage to go to where makeup is. So that was just trippy. You know, um, but I don't know if it's accurate or if it's my level of appreciation, but I swear everyone is like 10 times nicer and more humble and more helpful this time around. And I don't know if that's we've all been through it and we've seen the industry change and we've all been through a pandemic or if it's just that I'm grown up now. So like I can see and register this stuff and really appreciate it. But everyone was nice the first time. But like this time I'm like, it's just it's been so everyone's been so lovely from 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 crew to actors to producers to everyone like literally every single person makeup everybody I'm like this is such a great place we're in such a good space I don't the show is like a very beautiful place to to work and be right now for sure Mm -hmm. yeah even the stage manager like everyone is just so positive and cool and respectful and professional it's really nice Mm -hmm. um yeah I do get nerves I do get nerves I think I wasn't nervous. I was more nervous, honestly, for this interview. I got to be honest. I'm not even. I'm not even kidding. Like, I had a cup, a cup of coffee, and I, I, uh, I, I had to order like chamomile tea afterwards because like I don't know what's going on. I'm like nervous. I have something in my gut. I have like I feel too sped up. I think I think this is called anxiety. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You you immediately um, put me at ease when you guys okay. were talking in the beginning. It, it calmed me down. So thank okay. you. We, okay. we could try to be more intimidating as we go on <laughs> if you'd like to just justify the emotion. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't in vain. Don't worry. I think we got through <laughs> well, did you find Heather again easily? Like, was it easy for you to tap back into her or did it take a minute? Yeah, she's a really like badass character. Like she's a strong woman. It's very easy to respect her. I'm proud. I'm really proud to to have her storyline. I think she is a good role model for women. I love that she was an independent idiosyncratic character without always having a man attached to her when I first played her. I mean, I felt like I didn't even have a kissing scene or a love scene for like what felt like the longest time on daytime, you know, like she really has a full character. Um, I love that there are, you know, romantic notes and she's getting to explore relationships. Um, I think that's wonderful, but she's just a, she's just easy to, to be proud about, like, you know, so it was easy to dip into her. Um, I think because when you're not judging the character, right, like you should never judge anything you're doing in acting, right? That's death to acting, right? can't judge even if you're playing a you know criminal you can't judge the you can't judge the character right because you have to serve the role but um it's just I don't I respect her character a lot so it's very easy for me there's no blocks that I have to kind of remove you know well as you mentioned um earlier in the interview one of the relationships that's become primary is is that of her uh non-biological but definitely her daughter Mm -hmm. uh Lucy and mm-hmm. what a lovely young actress they found to play her Lily yes. versus Ryan. So you're getting to do that facet of the character. Tell us about working uh, with Lily. Lily's great. We like text each other pictures of our manicures back and forth. We have this. So I think she, she talks to some of the makeup artists and she's like, no, 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 you, the kids aren't saying that anymore. But to me, she knows I'm like too far removed. So she doesn't even, she's just so nice. Like, I think, what did we say? I don't know. There was some, uh oh like slay I, I don't know like the kids are <laughs> I don't know and someone with me she 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 kind of you adopt a little bit of that nurturing playful friendly uh dynamic in our in our real life so um she's adorable I love I want to go to one of her shows to support her music and um she's she's a sweetheart yeah mm-hmm. she's really impressive to work with especially for her age it's it's shocking she greets everyone with confidence and respect, introduces herself, says it's an honor to work with them. And she's uh, she's like, she's definitely a little adult for sure. I love that. Yeah. And she's um, really vulnerable. Like I was watching, you know, obviously I'm in the scenes with her some of the time and then I'm watching how it translates. It translates really well on screen. She does amazing in person too. And I was impressed in person acting with her, but then I saw even more so how it translates on screen. She has a really beautiful vulnerability to her. That's great. Now, your first uh, visit back was short. Um, Did you know that there was more to come for Heather? And how did you feel if you didn't when you found out there was? I didn't know there was more to come. Um, I think I was I was hopeful because it was so fun. It felt like being home or like you know, with family going back to, to YNR. So, uh, and I realized how fun it is to act. So, um, the last, I don't know, let me think. Oh, I had done a movie in February, but like really because of the pandemic, I hadn't, I hadn't really acted in a few years, you know, or a couple of years. I don't know. Um, bar like one, one thing. Um, and I realized how much I enjoy it. So that was great. 
Oh, I was, yeah, I was more building a brand and a business. So I wasn't as focused on acting and it wasn't as much work. I just realized this is still a part of me and I love it. And so when they called for, for more, I was, I was very thankful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, she has not chosen an easy task, right? Because she has chosen to defend Phyllis. Yeah. Yeah. Working with Michelle Stafford this time around. Yeah. Yeah. She's a Titan. I mean, she, and that's what, that's one of the people that comes to mind when I'm thinking like, she was always nice and friendly, but maybe because I was younger, I was intimidated. And now meeting her at, at this, um, stage, uh, She's phenomenal to work with. And there's some exciting nuances coming up between her character and my character. Like Michelle and I have some really interesting stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to defend her, I mean, holy cow. However, <laughs> literally, she's so convincing. Like she's <laughs> so persuasive. I don't know how, if she's been playing Phyllis like this all the times in all of her scenes, like she was with me, I can, she, she could manipulate anybody. I totally understand <laughs> how it happens. Impossible not to be. She's so convincing. Mm-hmm. Like I was like crying when she was just talking. Like Dale, you're playing her lawyer. You cannot tear up right now. It's <laughs> not good for the character. Hold it back. But I'm like, wow, what she's saying, you know, like really gets me. You know? <laughs> so she's, uh, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Laura Lee Bell? Plays Christine. What's really cool about uh, Laura Lee and I working together is we there's such a dynamic to enter into the the conversation, right? With our storyline that, you know, because of um, Paul and and their separation, and she is obviously devastated. That's a that's a that's a very big, real hot note for her. And so to to then introduce being um, professional and and adversarial, like, you know, we're adversaries, like it's just that's so many layers, which is really interesting to play with as two actors. And she's I mean, she won't even let as a, as an actor, it's really amazing. Or as a human, she won't even let like she helps out prop. She helps out everyone. She doesn't expect people to do things for her. She's just so down to earth and um, lovely. I mean, she's a true joy. I mean, it's just, it, you know, knowing her family and everything like it's extremely impressive the way she treats every single human on set with like the utmost respect and makes everyone feel special. And she's, she's great. She also runs lines a lot, which is very helpful for me too. So we, we like to run and I love our scenes coming up. Well, what is your take on like how Heather feels about Daniel these days and feels about him moving on with Lily? Back to Loralee and Christine. The one thing I did notice this time, I was like, we look the same age. She has not aged. So I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, wait, you were you know, with my dad and my dad and I'm so we should look a little bit different, but you've not aged even a second. So we kind of like have this median situation going on. But um, so that's just like compliments to her genes. And I think her mother was like that too, you know, like never, never aged. But uh, moving on to, we're talking about Daniel. Lily and Daniel, how are Lily and Daniel. See, I'm already upset and I'm not even playing Heather right now. (laughs) I'm already like, oh, Lily and Daniel. Um, (laughs) I think it's super fun. And uh, there's a lot of fodder there that they've reconnected. It's unfortunate timing though, you know, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it feels like the YNR audience is really embracing having Heather back in town. Certainly Mara and I are. Um, But what does that positive response mean to you? It means the world to me because, I mean, we only do it for the audience. 
I mean, partially for ourselves, right? But it's 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 a symbiosis. Like we can't exist without the audience's happiness. I I'm I'm extremely um thrilled if the audience is welcoming Heather back into town. That would make me very, very, very happy. Yeah. She can well, even stir some stir some stuff up, but yeah. like in the, like, the sweetest, most ethical way. <laughs> sure, of course. With, with self-respect, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. <laughs> easily, easily accomplished on this though. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, before we let you go, is there anything that you would want to say directly to those YNR fans who are so celebrating the fact that you and Heather are back in Genoa City Mix? Um, to all the fans who are happy to see Heather again, I don't read a lot, but I have read a little bit. And it's so truly, truly, truly wonderful to see your support and um I can't thank you enough it means probably more than you guys will ever know um I it feels so perfect to be spending a little time back in Genoa City and I will do my very 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 best to make you guys happy and entertained and engaged and uh please keep watching and thank you from the bottom of my heart well that is perfect this has been such a great chat I'm happy. Yeah, we did right by you. Um, thank you for all your time. Yeah, we need, today. We need to finish the chamomile tea. This was <laughs> right. All good. Easy. <laughs> well, okay. I I could talk to you separately for an hour about Vanderpump Rules, but I won't. <laughs> um, but anyway, we appreciate everything today, Vale, and look forward to everything you're going to be doing in Genoa City. Yes, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for your time, and have a good day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Vale Bloom for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.